Amen. You may be seated. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Starting in verse 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Tonight, we will think upon the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What it purchased for us. We'll think upon and contemplate the justice of God meeting the mercy of God. So would you take a few minutes with me just to reflect on that. The Old Testament law required God's people to sacrifice lambs, goats, bulls, doves. The first chapters of Leviticus, in fact, explain the burnt offerings, the peace offerings, the sin offerings. All of these offerings require sacrificing of animals to cover for the sins of the people. These sacrifices all were constant reminders of the spiritual chasm between God and man. And this, this chasm could not be bridged without the spilling of blood. And there was a lot of blood spilled. I personally remember one time at my grandfather's farm uh, witnessing with my brother uh, the slaughtering of a lamb, and I'll never forget it. It was on top of a hill where a dirt road ran down from where this, the lamb was being slaughtered, and I just remember a river of bright red blood. It seemed like a lot of blood. But in these sacrificial systems, when all this blood is spilled, all these animals are slaughtered, it wasn't enough. The blood of these animals wasn't enough to truly atone for the sins of God's people. You see, his perfect holiness, his perfect justice required the life of of every person who sinned against him. 
covenant of grace. This is a high price. Truly. This high price indicates that the infraction or the sin was truly grievous. What sin could warrant the punishment of paying with your life? The weight and severity of the sin doesn't lie within us, actually. But in the fact that our sin is against a holy and righteous God. All sin is a rejection of him and his reign. And that warrants our death. Even our seemingly mildest sin, even the smallest lie, or at least in our eyes, is a rejection of the King of Kings, who is the truth. And so we read in Romans, the Apostle Paul, how he comes to the conclusion in uh, chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages we earn for our sin is death. But it's not just mere physical death. It's spiritual death. It's an eternal death. Our sin, our very nature itself is bent away from God, toward ourselves, rejecting Him as our Savior and our sovereign ruler. And no one can escape this judgment. No one is good enough. Even if you live, quote, good life, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't murdered, I love my family, I give to charity, I go to church, you still don't measure up to God's standards. We still deserve eternal death and damnation. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's justice is real and it's perfect. His judgment is real and it is coming. Revelation 14 uh, verses 10 and 11 say, he, meaning the person who rejects Christ, also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. God's justice is perfect. The blood of animals ultimately will not save us from this judgment. You see, for us to be free of this judgment, a right sacrifice must be made in our place. The sacrifice of lambs, bulls, goats, and doves will not suffice for an eternal punishment. And that's why we call today the day we commemorate the death of the Son of God, Good Friday. You see, God is perfect in holiness and justice, and yet God is the God of mercy and love. And so his mercy is a perfect mercy. 
He doesn't show mercy only to those who are the most worthy or the best looking. He doesn't show partiality. His mercy is extended to all. He he loves his people and he loves them perfectly. And this seems as though it could be a dilemma. God has a dilemma. He created man to be in communion with him. He loved his creation. He loves mankind. He loved man, his creation. His love collided with his perfect holiness and justice. You see, he promised a great and eternal inheritance for his people. Did he need to save us? No, no, I don't think so. He was perfectly just to let us all suffer as a punishment for our sin. But still, how does God reconcile his perfect justice with his perfect love? You see, what looks like a dilemma to us is an opportunity for him. An opportunity for the universe to stand in awe of his wisdom, his power, and his perfect love. All the Old Testament sacrificial system, plus the sacrifice of the lamb on the night of the Passover feast, the day of atonement, all, all of it came into crystal clear focus on the hill of Calvary. The sacrificial system pointed to this moment in time the darkest hour of history. When Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, died a bloody, agonizing death on a cross. A horrific and excruciating means of execution. For God promised a new covenant, like a last will and testament to his people through Jeremiah hundreds of years before Christ. But there needed to be a death in order for his people to receive the blessings of this will. An eternal transaction needed to take place. Kathy and I received recently an inheritance when one of our grandparents passed away. Now, in order for us to receive this means, uh, grandma would have written a last will and testament indicating that she wanted what she wanted done with her estate when she passed away. Um, And it seems elementary, right? Uh, But it must be pointed out here that we did not, indeed, we could not receive anything unless the person who wrote that will died. You see, God solved his apparent dilemma when his perfect justice was seemingly at odds with his perfect love and mercy by sacrificing his own son. Let's look back at Hebrews 9. Let me read from, starting in verse 11, in fact, if you'd read with me. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, or tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once, 
for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sacrifices for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Upon the death of Christ, his will or his covenant with his people was paid out. This beautiful and glorious transaction, the transaction of our sin for his righteousness took place on Good Friday upon that cross. So let me ask, what does the death of Christ have to do with you? What does the death of Christ have to do with me personally? The fact of and the necessity of his death is glorious. It's hard, it's difficult and sad, yet it is a necessary truth. What does it have to do with us? Well, tonight I might ask, how's your conscience? Do you have a guilty conscience? Many of us do. All of us struggle with a guilty conscience. We do a lot of things to try to clean our con our ourselves of this conscience. But only one thing can do that. The shed blood of Christ. John Piper wrote in his book, The Passion of Jesus Christ, we can cut ourselves or throw our children in the sacred river or give a million dollars to the United Way or serve in a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving or perform a hundred forms of penance and self-injury and the results will be the same. The stain remains and death terrifies. We know that our conscience is defiled, not with external things like touching a corpse or eating a piece of pork. Jesus said it is what comes out of a person that defiles, not what goes in. That's Mark chapter 7. We are defiled by pride and self-pity and bitterness and lust and envy and jealousy, and covetousness, and apathy, and fear, and the actions they breed. These are all 
quote, dead works. They have no spiritual life in them. They don't come from new life. They come from death and they lead to death. That's why they make us feel hopeless in our consciences. Now listen to this. The only answer in these modern times, as in all other times, is the blood of Christ. When our conscience rises up and condemns us, where will we turn? We turn to Christ. We turn to the suffering and death of Christ, the blood of Christ. This is the only cleansing agent in the universe that can give the conscience relief in life and peace in death. Hebrews 9.14 says again, let me read it again. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So may I ask, why is today called Good Friday? This is why. I believe our consciences being cleansed by the blood of Jesus is just one of many reasons. If we were to mine the depths of the meaning of the cross, we would find limitless amounts of treasure and we would find countless more reasons why we call today Good Friday. Would you pray with me? Lord, you sent your son to die on a cross. And you remind us of why, why that was necessary. Your justice and your perfect love. Thank you, God, and praise you for the sacrifice that he gave. God, thank you that you cleanse us of a guilty conscience because of Jesus' blood. God, I pray that tonight, as we think upon the death of Jesus, God, remind us why it is called Good Friday. Remind us um, why he needed to. May we think upon our sin, but may we look to Jesus. Thank you. Amen. We're going to sing one more song in response, and then I'll have some instructions before we leave after our song.